Man, that was a tough one. And in a couple of days, it don't get any easier. What's going on, Steeler fans? I'm Daniel J. You're still Curtain Network, audio podcast host. Uh, welcome back to another episode. Today, we're talking about can the Steelers pick themselves up against the Browns? You know, first, before we talk about this upcoming game, let's talk briefly about the last one. You know, Steelers lost in an embarrassing fashion, you know, 30 to 7 against the San Francisco 49ers at home in front of a sold out crowd. Now, I will say, you know, from the, uh, TV view and angle, it sure did appear that there was a lot of red out there, an uncomfortable amount of red, so much so that I'm going to go support the Pittsburgh Steelers this Monday night as they take on the Cleveland Browns. I'll be in stadium supporting the Steelers, wearing the black and gold, making sure that that stadium is full of Steelers fans and not Browns. But I digress. You know, I went back and I watched the tape on, on the Steelers versus 49ers game. I actually broke down and watched every single you know passing play from the all 22. And you can go check that out. I actually put it out on my YouTube channel called State of the Steelers. It really wasn't as bad as it seemed. Don't get me wrong. It was pretty bad. It was very bad, but it wasn't as bad when you go back and watch the, uh, you know, you see the patterns that the receivers are, are doing and who is open and who is not. You know, what I will say is that early on, Kenny Pickett on the first play did well. Then it just kind of blew up and went backwards from there. I mean, I will say on the jet sweep, you know, pass forward to Calvin Austin there, that wasn't all on the play call. From the all 22, you can see that Pat Fryermuth misses just completely whoops on his uh, on his block. And then instead of turning around and looking for more work, he just watches the play go on and lets two other players pass him and, you know, forces Calvin Austin to juke around just to get back to the line of scrimmage. And it isn't until Calvin Austin is having to do those jukes that Pat Fryermuth turns around and tries to find work. I don't know what happened. It was just a lack of judgment. I don't know. It looked very similar to like Kendrick Green a few times, you know, when he on a, a whiffed on a block and then, uh, you know, was just kind of looking around, looking at the play instead of trying to do something. That's exactly what it looked like. And maybe it's just, you know, first game jitters. That was the first passing block play of the game. So, and on the sack play, it just seemed like there was just a lot of pressure coming up the middle and, and Kenny had a bounce back, but there was receivers open. And I think that had he had enough time to, to view things, I think he would have found Deontay John open on the comeback for the first down. I think he sees that. I think he makes that play. And that could change the dynamics of this entire game. Instead, he gets slammed to the ground. Now, you know, there's been a little bit of speculation out there. Did he get concussed? Was he out of it? Maybe that's the reason why he didn't play so well. I don't think so. There was no signs of concussion. There was no symptoms, No, none of those things. And you have the independent medical staff on the sideline that are trying to observe for that sort of side effects or symptoms from the players after being tackled hard or whatnot, right? With that being said, Kenny Pickett showed no signs and was able to play the rest of the game. But I do think that he was a little bit under duress. I think it was maybe perhaps mental for him as he actually had slightly more time to throw in the pocket than Brock Purdy did. So, you know, there's really no excuse there as far as that goes. But I did notice that he didn't handle it well. Crazy because it's not it's not of his characteristics, you know, typically like last season, preseason when he was blitzed or it was, you know, somebody was coming in. He stayed calm, cool, collective, and he made the, you know, the necessary accurate pass down the field. In this game, it, he seemed way off. You know, it, it didn't seem like his normal self. And you can also tell in his feet, you know, as the game progressed, his feet were kind of dancing around. And I think it affected his throwing motion, which as a, you know, a side effect of that would obviously affect your accuracy. With that being said, I think that's 
quite a bit of what's going on here. You know, I think he made a couple of bad decisions, especially on the interceptions. You know, he didn't have a great game. This wasn't a great game for him. It wasn't a great game for the entire team. You know, in fact, I think a lot of the the issues that were going on were that the quarterback and the receivers or the pass catchers were just weren't seeing the same thing. And I think that that can be fixed. I think that there was some questionable calls by the play caller, by Matt Canada. You know, he didn't have the greatest day either. You know, some of the formations and the concepts that he is throwing out there, although they're working, there's no splash in it. And, you know, the offense has to be a lot better than what they were to make that type of game plan work to be consistent you know when you're going to consistently have to face third downs you're going to have to consistently get third down conversions and i'm not sure if this team is quite there yet you know the fact that they didn't run the ball very often you know was a question mark now i know you know the 49ers jumped up you know very early and very quickly however you know that first drive they didn't even attempt to run the ball which i, I get if everybody if they would have ran the ball on first down and the result was what it was when he ran the ball when Najee ran the ball and got blown up by Warner, I think everybody would have said, well, everybody in the building would was knowing that that was a run. And then they would have blamed Canada in that situation as well. Yeah, they didn't stick to the run. I do understand why. They were trying to get back into the game. They lost the lead very early. And, you know, that threw out the flow of what the Steelers wanted to do, what the game plan was supposed to be. And the Steelers just never recovered from that. Now, that could be a lot of coaching, you know, making the adjustments when needed and playing well. You know, just because something is different than what they were seeing, you know, you had Pickens saying that, you know, the 49ers played a lot of cover three and they were anticipating cover two and things like that. You know, you got to be able to make those adjustments. The teams in the NFL that you're going to play on a week to week basis disguise and change what they've done in the previous few weeks. You know, if you think that, you know, your opponent is going to play the same game plan that they played the previous week against another opponent, I think you'd just be foolish to think that. And I think that's where the problem comes in when it comes to the coaching staff. But I don't think that it's all on them. You know, the uh, pass catchers, I think that they ran a couple of routes wrong. There was a play where Pat Fryermuth gets dinged up, right? Where he gets hit in the chest. But what you have in that play is you have basically two pass catchers running up the up the field and then in a post going together directly at the uh, the safety that's covering there. So he's in a good position because both of them are coming in that direction. Now, I think, and this is my opinion, I think that Pat Fryermuth was supposed to curl back. And I think that's why the ball was thrown and it hit him in his back shoulder versus, you know, accurately in his in front of him. And I think that's why if he was supposed to curl back and, and Pickett throws it right, I think that it also protects Pat Fryermuth from getting getting his chest injured. With that all being said, I think he's trying to protect his tight end versus, you know, lead him into danger. And I think that just we're on the wrong page. I mean, there was the other pass to, to Pat Fryermuth where he fell down weird. You know, I think Kenny's thinking he's going to go upfield and Pat's thinking he's coming back. And they're just not on the right page. I don't know who was right or wrong in that situation. Now, the interceptions, I don't know what he was seeing in those, you know, as far as Kenny goes. You know, uh, the one to Connor Hayward was a bad decision. He was double covered with the best covering middle linebacker in the game. And it just didn't make sense, you know, to go there. You had other receivers coming open in the zone underneath. That would have been for a first down. Some pretty good yardage as well. It just didn't hit him. And there were some, some plays that his accuracy was... In question, you know, you think about the could be walk in touchdown by Deontay Johnson. You know, I was way low and behind on the slant route. And those type of things can't happen. You got to be a professional. And like I said, I mentioned, you know, as the game progressed, his feet started to uh, started get happy feet. You can't have that. 
You know, when you, when that ends up happening, it affects your your form. And with Kenny Pickett, who doesn't have like that elite elite arm, can make these accurate throws down the field off platform. You know, he kind of needs to get full momentum and, and you know chuck it down there. And I think that's kind of what happened. He got it got hit a couple of times. He hadn't been hit you know very much throughout preseason, definitely throughout training camp. He got hit, and maybe perhaps he just needed some time to get accustomed to it. And he needs to get accustomed to it very quickly because a formidable opponent is coming in and the uh, Cleveland Browns who just beat the Cincinnati Bengals at home upset of the week. It's going to be a tough matchup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kenny Pickett needs to bring his a game. He needs to get better. You know, one big concern about, you know, playing the San Francisco 49ers is they hit hard, right? And, you know, there's a stat out there. I think it was like the last 15, 16 opponents that they played, you know, haven't won the following week. Pittsburgh Steelers cannot, RP cannot go 0-2 right now. That would be a huge letdown. And, you know, it might start some problems. You know, you already have your wide receiver or a wide receiver, you know, possibly liking things on social media or whatever that means, you know, that he shouldn't. And, you know, some people are concerned that if the losing continues, if he's not going to get the ball, that he may turn into a diva. That's possible. I mean, you know, losing is not going to help that. You know, winning kind of cures everything, right? You know, Matt Canada is under fire for the Steelers only scoring seven points. Yeah, I think there's another stat out there that in Canada's entire offensive coordinator career with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he hasn't recorded or his offenses haven't recorded a 400-yard game. And every other team has done it at least three times in that amount of time. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So, you know, this team has had a lot of excuses, whether it's an aging quarterback or a brand-new quarterback or a rookie quarterback. This year, this game, there was supposed to be no excuse. You know, Canada has his quarterback. This offense has been in the system for a while. They should be playing to a certain standard. We need to see that in this upcoming game. You know, Kenny Pickett in the last game, like I said, he, he played poorly. Brock Purdy looked like the uh, better quarterback on the field for that day. The Steelers' defensive backs you know, didn't make it too hard for Purdy. Patrick Peterson calling out, basically guaranteeing he's going to get a pick. I felt that he was kind of targeted in this game. What do you guys think? I think he was, and seeing Brock Purdy smiling about it just kind of, I didn't like it. You know, but the Steelers, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't get any rhythm going. It seemed like every time that they did, there was either an injury or there was a penalty or something or, you know, just kind of stopped the momentum at every point. Now, the only thing the Steelers did well was the two-minute drill. I don't, know. I don't want to just complain about the Steelers. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about uh, the next opponent, the Cleveland Browns, and we're going to be talking about, you know, can the Steelers, can they beat them? Is it possible? Don't go anywhere. Just a word from our sponsors. Hey, welcome back. Glad you made it. You know, I want to remind you guys about Steel Curtain Network, one-stop shop for all Pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage. Make sure you go in and check out all the articles that you are accustomed with. The old article place, majority of, of our writers have moved on to or moved on with Steel Curtain Network. And so you get all the great coverage, all the great news and updates at SteelCurtainNetwork.com. Also check out the Twitter at Steel Curtain Network. Don't want to miss it. You want to stay up to date. Also, I want to remind you guys that we have several podcasts going on on the audio only side. You have 
obviously you know if you're listening to me you have jeff hartman on the let's ride podcast brian anthony davis on bad language you have dave schofield on stat geek and so much more so much more don't want to miss it make sure you're checking out all the content it's great stuff but let's get back into this let's talk about the what the steelers need to do to win and can they win you know they're going up against a pretty stout defense or defensive front especially in the cleveland browns and there's a big question mark right now as far as what are the pittsburgh steelers going to do with the uh, tackle position thus far well, let's go back to last week. When Chicks-Cofor entered the protocol, Dan Moore moved over to the right side and Roderick Jones moved in on the left side and it just didn't look good. For Dan Moore, he let a sack. He was worse than what he was on the left side. Not saying that he's a starter quality offensive on the left side. You really can't say that after his performance last week, but he was worse than that on the right side. Now, he was going up against some elite talent and He's going up against Miles Garrett this week. So I think it'd be probably best to put, you know, Dan Moore back on the left side because Roderick Jones at Georgia would practice on the right side and the left side every so often because in case there was an injury, he needed to move. And he had more um, recent practicing and natural ability and experience in the right tackle position than what Dan Moore has had recently. And it's been a while since Dan Moore has played the right tackle position. He did work on it this offseason. When you've been at the left tackle for a while, you, you get your muscle memory going in a certain direction. It, it is kind of difficult to just kind of switch and work the other way. I actually had broken a, uh, a fractured a bone near my elbow, and it was on my right arm. And doing things with your left hand that you were so accustomed to doing with your right arm and hand, it's difficult. It's it's a difficult transition, you know, especially for me that I was dominant right-handed. It was different. Now, moving over to the little right side, I think you have to be uh, more dominant with your left hand to get the punch in across. So I think maybe he struggled with those things. And Roger Jones just playing that and practicing that here recently in Georgia perhaps gives him the upper hand. But speaking about you know, left tackles. Uh, there's been uh, uh, some interesting statements coming out of the uh, Cleveland Browns camp. Offensive tackle rookie Dwan Jones is apparently calling out T.J. Watt in similar fashion to what Patrick Peterson did to Brock Purdy last week. I'm not sure you want to call out the guy that just had three sacks, two forced fumbles, or one of them was recovered by the Pittsburgh Steelers, the other one recovered by the San Francisco 49ers, but he's calling out T.J. Watt. He's getting his first start this week because the Browns lost their former All-Pro right tackle Jack Conklin for the season because he tore his ACL and MCL against the Bengals in their win. So Dewan Jones will be trying to go up against the 2021 AP Defensive Player of the Year, T.J. Watt, and getting to Deshaun Watson. It's a brave tactic. We'll see if it works. Maybe perhaps Dewan Jones is maybe still a little bit upset. There was uh, some rumors there that the Steelers were connected to Dewan Jones as far as a possible pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It didn't come to fruition. The Steelers had uh, bigger sights in mind when they decided to go and fulfill their left tackle position with going with uh, Broderick Jones. What did Dewan, Dewan Johnson say? He said, while speaking to the media in Cleveland yesterday, he said, using my length, he kind of kind of leaves his chest open a little bit uh, during the passing game. Using that, there are things to it, Jones said. Making sure I get back, great player. I think they'll probably put him majority on my side because I'm younger, a rookie. They're going to try to definitely make me a target. But I got to step up to the plate and step up to the challenge. Calling out a flaw in TJ Watt's game just before the, you know, a couple of days before you play him or a few days before you play him. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know, George Kittle tried that last week, too. He said that he wanted TJ Watt to go through him, not around him, don't run from him, things like that. 
some kind of nonsense or whatever. And TJ Watt did some TJ Watt things. Like I said, three sacks and two forced fumbles. One was recovered by the Steelers. I'm excited to see if the Pittsburgh Steelers will have a, a similar response as Brock Purdy did to um, the Steelers after Patrick Peterson said what he had to say. Moving on, another storyline about this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is who's going to replace if you can. I mean, that's a uh, that's probably not the right word to use in this situation, but who's going to fill in? And I put that in air quotes for Cam Hayward, you know, guy who hasn't missed a game due to injury since like I think it was like 2016, maybe 2017, somewhere around there. It's finally going to miss a few games due to his pulled groin or torn groin that he's required to have surgery on. That'll happen. I think it happened, actually, but he'll be out for about eight weeks. So who fills in? You know, Martavius Adams didn't do too well last week, in my opinion. I thought that Keanu Benton played well last week. I think that he would be a guy that could possibly, uh, I would like to see get more reps and be the first guy in rotation. You know, I know the Steelers like to hold their rookies off for whatever reason. I guess they have this agenda and this game plan that they have for their rookies. Even if they're the, you know, the better player, the, the Steelers typically, if they can, would prefer to play the veteran over the rookie. I understand why, you know, there's a value in experience and things like that. And, you know, it's not just about talent or what you can do. So from that point of view, I I get it. But, you know, at this point, you've seen a training camp, you've seen a preseason, Uh, you saw Keanu Benton in week one coming in in the second half, and you saw what he was able to do against offense that was pushing your defense around. You know, once he came in, the scoring and kind of slowed down. I don't know if you noticed that, you know, he came in, I think it was after the McCaffrey touchdown, the long one. So I think they only scored three points after that, the 49ers that is. So I, I want to see Keanu Benton out there a lot more. I'm not, I don't know if he's going to be able to replace what Cam Hayward did, but I think he can be effective and disruptive. When he first got into college, he was known as a run stopper. He got that down. So, you know, you're going up against the Cleveland Browns who want to run the ball with Nick Chubb. I think he's going to be your best bet. I think he's going to be your best bet against the run. So I think you should use him a lot more often than what he was used and start him. I think that the only time that he should be off of the field in this game is when he needs a break or, or you know, you're going to put in rotation. But I think he should be the first guy up and the guy that gets the majority of the rep. And another injured player is Deontay Johnson. He's going to be out for a few weeks uh, with a, a hamstring. Calvin Austin came in for him last week, went six for six on receptions and targets. You know, had a modest yards. Is he that route runner that Deontay Johnson is? No, but Deontay Johnson is able to create separation using his route running ability. Calvin Austin can create that same separation using his speed. But how much time is Kenny had throwing to Calvin Austin? on the outside, you know, is there chemistry there? Is Kenny going to be able to, you know, get the ball out there when he sees Calvin, you know, coming open and he's going to have to throw it further than what he was having to throw it when it came to, you know, Deontay Johnson, because Calvin Austin is significantly faster than him. So those are the things that are left to be determined. Fortunately for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they got an extra day. Now, when it comes to this game, I think the Steelers are going to have to stop Nick Chubb. If the Steelers want to win this game, they're going to have to stop Nick Chubb and contain um, Deshaun's legs. I don't think he's going to beat the Steelers with his arm. Uh, I was in the game last year, the final home game for the Pittsburgh Steelers when they beat the uh, Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson doesn't impress me. I've seen him in Houston when the Steelers have played him before. It looked the same to me. And when you go and look at his performance against the Cincinnati Bengals, it wasn't very well either. So I think that the Steelers are going to be able to handle what Deshaun Watson can do with his arm. Can they handle what, you know, what they can, what he can do with his legs and what Nick Chubb can do? in the short passing game, and obviously with his rushing abilities as well. I think that's where 
this game is going to be won and lost for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Offensively, what the Steelers are probably going to have to do for to win this game is they're going to have to possess the ball, you know, first and foremost. Last week in the first half, it was three and out city over and over again. You're going to have to possess the ball. They're going to have to maintain possession of the ball and control the ball and have the game go at their speed. I think that comes with a little bit more of a rushing attack. Don't be surprised. And, you know, I think it's going to be obvious if the Steelers, you know, start running the ball in the first drive or the first play. You know, don't be surprised if it's a run up the middle. Could be a play action pass. That would, I think that could work in that moment. Maybe that's what we see. I don't know. I'm excited to see what they do and how they bounce back. But in order for the, uh, this team to win, the offense has to possess the ball. Kenny Pickett needs to be more accurate. It needs to be a lot more calm in the pocket. And I think those two go together, like I mentioned before. You know, his feet kind of jumping around is going to affect his accuracy. So if he can keep his feet calm and he can keep calm in the in the pocket, kind of similar to what we've seen of him, you know, in the past, I think the Steelers will be fine. Now, I'm not expecting a big game from Kenny Pickett as far as passing yards and or attempts. I, I don't think you want to do that in a game like this because if you're passing the ball too much and if you know the receivers or the tight ends, the pass catchers just for whatever reason aren't on the same page or any of those type of things, you can get yourself in a situation where it's three and out city like it was last week. And going up against a team that can grind out you know the clock on the ground, you know, you, that puts your defense in a very unfavorable position in my opinion this is going to be a tough game i think it's going to be a close game i think it's a game that the pittsburgh steelers can still win i like the defense our defense the steelers defense over you know the cleveland browns defense even though it didn't appear that our defense played up to standard last week and some pretty big pieces are missing i get it but you know this is at home the Steelers aren't going to get embarrassed twice at home. And you're going up against an opponent that the Steelers are familiar with, you know, a divisional opponent. It's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a good game. I'll be there. If you guys are there, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know that you're going to be in the uh, at Acroshore Stadium. I'll be in Section 122. So if you're there that night, come check it out. I'll be there with my father. Love to meet you guys. Uh, Twitter handle or X handle is at State of Steelers. As far as my prediction for the game, I think the Steelers are going to pull this one out. You know, I, th- I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as what most people were hoping last week was going to be. You know, I think the Steelers are probably come out with maybe 21 points and Cleveland 17, somewhere around there. Steelers win 21 to 17 in a close game and start moving right in the right direction. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, the team, the Steelers come out and really put up some points in this game. You know, and last week was just kind of like a, a little bit of a first game jitters, maybe drinking too much of your, your own Kool-Aid and going in thinking you're going to, you know, just hit a home run right away. I don't think that's going to be the attitude that they're going to go in with this one. You know, they got their teeth knocked in. They got embarrassed. They're going to be looking for somebody to payback and the Cleveland Browns are standing right in front of them. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers end up putting up quite a bit of points or, you know, show up the Browns just because they're embarrassed. They're pissed off about what happened last week. I would be too. Like Tomlin says, you want to say, whoa, when sick them. I think we're going to have a lot of guys that he's going to have to say, whoa, to this upcoming week. But that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you for hanging out with me. I'll be back on, well, I'll be back next Friday. I won't be on the hangover because I'll be uh, in Pittsburgh uh, ready for the game on Monday night. So with that being said, y'all have a safe weekend. We'll see you on Friday. Have a good night. Peace. 